Are you one of those people who believes everything happens for a reason? Well, do I? Oh, yes. Do I have a story for you? My guest today shares why she survived all the trauma that she has been through. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business. And today, our guest is the amazing and incredible and one of my very dear friends, Jen Lee. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so much for having me, Shay. I'll tell you what, your energy this morning, and not to mention your pink glasses, (laughs) (laughs) has my energy on fire as well. Mm. So really excited to be here. Well, thank you. And we met, well, the time that I remember that we actually met was (laughs) uh, Space Ghost Podcasters. Was that right? Yes. 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 And we instantly hit it off and have been fast friends ever since. So I just so appreciate you taking time to share your story with us. For sure. You know, we are put in places for a reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, from there we meet the people we're supposed to meet. And I'm so thankful I attended that meeting. I missed the first one. Um, So, yeah, so thankful for being put in your path. Uh, I feel the same, sister. So thank you. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, a decade after surviving an armed robbery and abduction, Jennifer Lee became the founder of the I Need Blue podcast. She quickly realized there is healing and sharing and was called to create a dedicated space where survivors feel they belong, are loved, understood, and feel empowered to share their truth. Also, just this year, she has published her memoir, why I survived. And we invite you to connect with her on her website at INeedBlue.net. Well, Jen, I just can't wait to dive in. There's so much to talk about, everything that you've gone through, but I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? It means being a good listener. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to me. Listening is free. When we talk about investments, it's free and it's something that we can do for anyone. So yeah, investing in people really is just about listening to them. I love that because that's what we do as podcasters all the time, right? Is listen and and coaches, we listen to, you know, what people have to say. And sometimes people just need to vent. They just need to get out what it is that they've they're feeling or going through or whatever in order to clear space for something better. Absolutely. And I'm fine that sometimes in this world, we're too worried about getting our point in Mm -hmm. that we have forgotten how to listen to the viewpoint that is right in front of us. So listening is an art. It's about self-awareness and really being able to step back Put your thoughts to the side for a moment and genuinely listen to what someone has to say. Completely agree. I think a society we've learned to, in this instant gratification, super busy environment, we're always thinking about the next thing. Mm -hmm. So listening, active listening is really about making sure that you're listening from a place of understanding the other person rather than a place of what do I say next? 
Absolutely. And in all honesty, I learned the art of listening back in sales. Mm -hmm. I used to sell advertising and marketing. And so they taught you that number one was being able to listen so that you were able to go back to that client and say, this is what I hear. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you're able to provide a solution for them. You're not trying to sell them everything because that doesn't make sense. Right. But you want to find what will help them. And that's how I learned um, the effectiveness of listening and the importance of it. And that I think has helped me, like you said, as a podcaster today, but also in my personal relationships mm -hmm. and my marriage and my relationship with my kids. It's a universal, a universal trait that we can apply to every area of our life. Yes. And I love what you just said about, you know, did I hear you correctly? Did this, well, this is what I'm hearing. And I just think back to many years of school. I never asked to, for them to clarify what the assignment was. Never. Because I was so afraid of being looked at as stupid or people would laugh at me. Like, how can you not understand what the teacher was saying? And when I went through my coaching training and really understood that how important clarifying questions are and that sometimes when we're given an assignment, like in school, our brain freezes or is distracted or we just didn't hear them. So it's okay. There's nothing wrong with asking for clarifying questions, but man, it took me years to figure that out. I wish I would have learned that lesson many years before. <laughs> Absolutely. I think in school, I was the same way now that you say that. If I'm looking back on that, I think asking questions also comes with confidence, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. because now instead of looking stupid, I think that that looks to other people as wow, she listened and she's actually trying to dig down deep into how she can help me or the advice that she wants to give or like in the podcast you know, you dig down deep because sometimes if they're nervous, you want to be able to help guide them mm -hmm. and to find the words that they're looking for. So um, it's an art, you know, and once yep. you get over that, the self-consciousness of what would other people think and you just, you grow. Yeah. You grow. Uh -huh. Well, it's a practice, right? It's not something that we, you know, innately know how to listen, but it's a practice to learn to listen from another person, just like it's a practice to learn to our gut intuition. And I know you have experience in listening to your gut intuition. Can you tell us many of your stories about that? <laughs> I do. I have several personal stories on that. And to go back to what you said in the beginning is, yes, I do believe that everything has happened for a reason. And there were times where I got on my knees and I looked up to heaven and I was like, God, really, how much more do you think I can take? Mm. Right. But yeah. now decades later, I have found my calling and found my purpose and I wouldn't change yeah. what I have been through because now I utilize it yes. to relate to others, create that comfortable space, let others know they are not alone. Mm -hmm. and be a contributor in their healing process. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I totally agree. I, I say I transformed trauma into treasure because I experienced the trauma and was able to make it into the treasure that 
God had me go through and learn from it. Right. Yeah. So in your book, you talk about um, this relationship that you were in and there were so many signs. And as often as we do, we push that intuition down, that gut feeling down, like, oh, I'm just being paranoid or, oh, I just need to give them the benefit of the doubt. So would you share with us your experience with that? Yes. Love is blind, right? (laughs) Yes, very much so. (laughs) When the heart is involved, I think it brings a different element to Mm. almost like situational awareness, listening to your gut, all of those other things. So for me, what happened is I had met this guy I was out with friends Mm -hmm. having a good time. I was ultra confident, I call it back then. And so I approached him and we started talking, had general conversation just for a couple of minutes. He lived in a different state. So it was time for me to go. I said goodbye, thinking I'll never see him again, right? Mm -hmm. Within the conversation I had with him, I told him where I worked, which was just down the road. So the next day before he heads out of town, he stops into my work. I was not there at that time, but he left a message and gave me his phone number and and said to my coworkers, you know, tell her I stopped by and whatnot. So I called him and said, you know, thank you for stopping by again. Never thought I would see him again. Mm -hmm. Well, a few months later, he calls me. And he was like, it's my birthday coming up and I would love to spend it with you. And I was like, wow, okay. And so we had a couple of months of then conversation, daily conversation, um, which led to the intrigue, the, I wanted to call you because I needed to hear your voice. You Mm. are my sunshine, you Mm. know, all of those special things that you want to hear. Sure. In all honesty, that I was longing to hear right. yeah. for a while now. Like this was filling a void, even though it was long distance, it was better than nothing. Right, right. <laughs> That's an important phrase as well. It's better than better nothing. Better than nothing, yes. And yeah. mind you, you are not alone. I have been there myself. So I love this. This is why we're friends. Because <laughs> we can relate on so many different things. So please continue. Absolutely. So from there, he came into town and we celebrated his birthday, had a wonderful time together, and officially a long-distance relationship started. Uh, There was another trip to Chicago. And mind you, I really had not traveled. So this was all very exciting to Mm -hmm. me anyway. He was from New York, so he had a very different lifestyle Uh, shopping habits, if you will, than I did. Like I shopped at Goodwill. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So even his, um, even just his, uh, the way he lived was very different and enticing to me. I was curious, right? Well, and it's exciting, right? You've got someone who's a jet setter flying in to see you and, oh, you, you know, you get to fly other places. It's very intriguing when you meet someone like that, that's like got something completely different than you are, that you have. So that's, I I can see why you would be so enthralled by him. Absolutely. Then um, a couple months in, our conversation started to change. I always told him where I was, who I was with, because I had nothing to hide, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't bother me to do that. 
but he was much more secretive mm. in where he lived and things like that. But the conversation started to change where he was like, well, I don't really know if I want you to hang out with this person because if I'm not enough, then mm. maybe this isn't working. And I was like, oh, I was like, no, I don't want you to think that, you know, all of a sudden you're apologizing and you're mm -hmm. like, wow, I don't want you to leave. You know, I, I got to stop seeing my friends. I want to make you yeah. happy. And that's the beginning stages of isolation, which I now know yeah. that's what was going on. Right. There was even an incident with my family and he was like, well, I don't think you should spend time with your family. And so it created a riff even within that relationship, which wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So this continued for months and I was already seeing therapy at that time. I, I love therapy. I think having that third perspective, whether through therapy or a coach, whatever it may be, is a very positive thing. But my therapist started questioning me like, well, where does he live? You haven't been to his house. You don't even have his address. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, okay. Like I didn't even see that as I was missing some really important parts of his life. So I kept pressuring him. And finally he was like, okay, you can come visit me. And he lived in New Jersey. So I made the drive. He lived in what looked like a normal neighborhood, you know, and when I went into his home, um, everything looked normal. There was no signs that a female resided there whatsoever. He mm -hmm. did say he had a male roommate that I did not meet. Anyway, within that, he took me into New York and we had a good time. But we came back and we were eating dinner. And I remember sitting at the table, sliding out of my chair onto the floor. Mm. And that's all I remember. Mm. I woke up the next morning in bed. And this wow. is where now looking back, you know, who wants to ever think somebody you love is going to drug you? Right? right, right. But I think that occurred a few times within our relationship because mm. I have no recollection. So I woke up in bed early in the morning. He's not there. So I call him and he was like, oh, I had to go pick up the dog. And I was like, well, I didn't know he had a dog, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, instincts are like, something is wrong. You need to, you need to search. Mm -hmm. And I listened to that instinct and I found a file cabinet. And as I was going through it, I saw a file that said marriage certificate. And I remember thinking, how much do you want to know, Jen? Mm. And so I opened the file and sure enough, there was a marriage certificate that stated he had been married for a matter of years now. Wow. I call him. He was like, I'm almost there. And I said, well, I'm leaving. You're married. And he was hmm. like, no, no, you don't understand. She's in a mental hospital. I'm getting a divorce. I want to be with you. She's just not in a mental state to, to sign the papers. And so at that point, it didn't matter, though. I was like, I'm leaving. I got on the road, went home, mm -hmm. blocked him for a month after a month of... Well, maybe he is right. Mm. I mean, because if she is in a hospital, she couldn't legally sign papers, right? And there was nothing female in that home. So maybe he is right. Maybe I need to give him a second chance, mm -hmm. right? 
So I unblock his number. We talk again and he's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm going to move there. I want us to have a life together. So I was like, wow, he's going to move here. Like that is a big step. Yeah. And he's also saying, I'm going to get divorced. So I'm like, okay. So long distance relationship begins. Mm -hmm. He would make trips to come see me. I think I saw him like five days a month. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I found that to be okay. It, it was hard on the system though, when you want to see someone and, right. and you can't. And sadly, the isolation and the gaslighting continued, but I didn't recognize it right. during that time. We never do. No. No. And my therapist, she would kind of try to get me to realize things. And then I would go back to him and be like, well, this is what she said. And he would, again, contradict it. Like, she doesn't know what she's talking about, yada, yada. So a year later, he got a job and he moved. So he moved in with me, had a carload full of stuff. A month after that, he comes home very angry and says, my job has sent me out of state and I don't know when I'm going to be back. Mm. My heart sank the pit, the pit in my stomach. And I was like, I, I just don't know how much I can do this. Like, you know, it's going to kill me. Like the emotional turmoil mm -hmm. that it created the trust issues that I had more so within me trying to battle my trust issues, you know, yeah. that he instilled in me. And he knew how to instill triggers, you know, yeah. the whole, if you don't trust me, I'm going to leave. And then I would just be so afraid. Right. Like, I can't have you leave, you know? So he moved out. And a few months later, I go to a spiritual healer. Mm. I had never been to a spiritual healer who read cards, but my aunt was like, she's really good. You know, I highly recommend her. And again, that was she was brought into my life, my aunt, I think, to give me this message. Mm -hmm. So I go and she's basically explaining to me the process, puts three decks of cards down in front of me and says, pick your pile. And I remember thinking, how do I know what pile to think? What if I pick the wrong pile? Right. Mm -hmm. So I put my hand like this over each pile and then back again. And when I got to the middle one, I stopped because the bottom of my hand got cold, like mm. really cold. And I was like, okay, this is my pile. She's reading the cards. And at one point she flips over a card and she stops and she looks at me and she says, the past three years of your life have been a dream, a fantasy, a lie. Nothing has been real. Oof. Wow. I got yeah. chills just hearing that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, imagine sitting there and knowing you've been with this person for three years and she's telling you now that none of this has been real. What do you yeah. do with that? But I will tell you, we talked about other things, my job and other people. And she was right about mm. those things. So I was like, wow, if she was right about that, how could she be wrong about this? Right. Mm -hmm. So immediately go out to my car. <laughs> called my boyfriend I was like well let me just tell you what she said oh and yeah. he was like oh that's not true give me her name and number and da, da 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 so I did I don't know if he ever called her but a month later he calls and he was like okay good news I'm on my way back and we can be together now and we can look for houses and I was like great finally right mm -hmm. so my 
the trust issue of, wow, he's gone was kind of dissipating a little bit now because he's coming back. Mm -hmm. So within that month before he moved back, there was still something nagging inside me that I was fighting. And I was like, I could feel myself start to get stronger and that I was kind of recognizing the manipulation that he had put me through. But I was going to continue this relationship. He was coming back and I needed answers. Mm. I needed to know who was right in this mm. situation. So he came back and he stayed in a extended stay hotel for a short while um, with housing. You know, we were looking for a house and everything. So he stayed there. It was closer to his job, closer to my job. So I was like, okay, I'll come stay with you. Not a problem. It was for a short while. So I go. And one one day, and ironically, I'm from Michigan. And on December 30th, it's called Devil's Night. Mm, okay. The night before Halloween. Um, and that goes back to history where there were a lot of riots in Detroit. But living in northern Michigan, what that night meant to us is you put your garage down, you turn your lights on, and you hope that you don't have toilet paper in your trees <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> But in 2006, Devil's Night had a whole new meaning for me. Mm. Yeah. Earlier that morning, he had gone to work and I'm still in the hotel room and something is like, Jen, you need to search. Mm. It was that same feeling that I had in his house a couple of years before. I was like, all right. So I start searching, going through everything and I get to a black duffel bag i pull out a receipt for this this extended stay hotel that he's in and there's a like a billing address or whatnot mm -hmm. and it's in the same zip code i was like well this is weird so i go to work uh, i talk with one of my friends who had already shared part of my story with i told her i said listen i'm going to call you later you're going to map quest this yes that's when we used map quest right, if you right. remember yeah <laughs> i don't even know if it's still around uh, right but uh, I said, I need you to map quest this address and I'm going to see where it's at. She was like, well, do you think that's safe? And I was like, I don't really care. I was like, I need to know yeah. where this address leads. So that night I get in my car, call her, and she leads me to a home where in the window is this very big fish tank. I oh, had wow. seen that fish tank in New Jersey Okay. in his home. Immediately I was like, this is his house. She was like, what are you going to do? I'm going to the door. I said, she was like, no, I don't think that that's a good idea. Mm. Now, anybody listening, I don't think that's a good idea. Right. <laughs> but my mindset was like, well, I'm a Scorpio too, which should explain a few things. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I am going to find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I go to the door and a woman answers. And I had seen his wife's name on the marriage certificate. Okay. And so I said, are you so-and-so? And she said, yes. And I said, well, I've been dating your husband for the past three years. And I didn't know you all were married. He told me you were divorced and he moved here and we're looking for, for homes. 
And she said, I've seen your picture. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so she invites me in. And so I said, okay. And we're standing in the foyer. And she was like, would you like to call him? I said, absolutely. Wow. So she calls him because he told her that he was at a friend's playing cards. Mm. But yet he was going to be with me that night in like an hour or two. She called him by his full name where I called him by his shorter name. So she would call him Michael. I called him Mike. Yeah. And he answers the phone and she was like, hi, Michael. Someone is here to say hello. And I say, it's Jen. And you hear click. Wow. He hung up. Yeah. Wow. He hung up. So she calls back. And of course, the phone is off, right? Yeah. So she invites me into the living room. Mind you, we're both in shock. We are two women who have just realized we have been leading a double life with this man. Yeah. And there was nobody in that moment who was going to understand the emotional turmoil than each of us. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to call his mom. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So she calls his mom and she just starts explaining a few things until she hangs up on her. And so I I think that we were scorned wife and scorned girlfriend. And so I I think I was there honestly the whole night and we just talked. I was like, well, this is what he said. This is what he did. This is what we've done. I mean, it was a a crazy thing. And she had apartment brochures because she was getting ready to move out. Wow. So they were going to get a divorce. And he was staying in the extended stay hotel because they were separated. Okay. Another interesting fact is where they were living was three miles from where I worked. Wow. <laughs> yes. That close. Yeah. Okay. That close. So in the process of helping her emails, pictures, whatever she needs to build a case, yeah. right? Because at this point, I've stepped out of the picture. Yeah. Um, It's between you two. I'm not talking to him anymore. In the process of helping her, she steals my credit card. My God, you're <laughs> kidding. And I don't know this till I go to use it and I get a call saying it's been maxed. And I was like, well, I know it's not maxed. And they're like, well, wow. these are the transactions, yada, yada, yada. And some of those places she went to, like she had given me gifts. Like here, thank you oh for helping God. me. And, and so she's using my credit card. To buy you gifts. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I go to the police department. And they had video, and sure enough, it was her. I recognized her. Wow. So I have to carefully stop helping her build this case. Yeah. Because now I don't know what is going on with my safety. I mean, right. you know, if you're willing to be a thief, I'll be, I what mean, what else are you willing to do? Yeah. 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 And so, uh, long story short, with that, she the store did um, prosecute and that's all you know legal information i dropped my identity theft charges mm-hmm. um because i really felt like 
she's she's scorned she's hurt she's paid the price too and i don't want to put anything else on her and what she did was wrong she broke the law let the law prosecute but for me i'm just gonna have compassion and move mm. on yeah and so that's what i did mm-hmm. and a few months later i called him left a message and said you know i really don't know why you did what you did i'll never understand but i forgive you Mm. I don't, I, and I said, I don't need your forgiveness, but I forgive you. Mm. And I hung up and that was, that was the end of that chapter. Wow. 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 <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that story. And I'm just amazed that one, you had the gumption, the guts, the, uh, the determination to go, I'm putting an end to this and go knock on the door and talk to the wife. Uh, that just blows me away. Good for you for doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm I'm just curious. So when you just stepped away, did he leave you alone or was he still like texting you or calling you and saying, Hey, let's work this out. Or did he get mad at you and start to like going, I can't believe you did this. You tore up my life, you know, whatever. So he, um, once she got in trouble with the law, he called me and he said, listen, you don't know who you're dealing with. You know, her dad is calling me and he's going to come find me and all of these other things. And, you know, these people are crazy and yada, yada. And I said to him, not my problem. And I hung up. Wow. Yeah. Now, I lived in a world where situational awareness was top of mind. Yeah. He had a key to where I was living, so I had the locks changed yeah. to protect myself. Um, I did, quote, hide out for a little while Good. Um, with friends because you don't know, like, literally. You're right. His wife, uh, his, you know, he lost a wife. His mom knows. Uh, we went to his job and told them, like, we, I don't want to say the word destroyed, but we definitely, his life was upheavaled, uh -huh. you know, with what we had, with what we had done. Um, and then she brought on her own, her own upheaval. Right, right. You know, right. so that was a mess. Am I lucky to be alive? Yes, I recognize that. Um, there are things in my story I don't recommend that you do. But decades ago, I was in a very different headspace, mm -hmm. um, lacked experience and real life knowledge that I have now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's my story. It's what I knew at that time. Yeah. And it's what I did. But I am. I do know that I am lucky to be here and I'm glad that I'm be here. And 17 years later, now it's time for me to share my story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am, it is. And, you know, one of the things that you mention in your book, which is just, it it's needs to be talked about more. And I experienced it myself. And oftentimes we don't talk about it is codependency and how there are people out there that will draw you in and um, deceive you 
with their words so that you at some point become codependent. Like you're like, no, I don't want you to leave. Like, no, I'll do whatever it takes to make this work. Right. Even, you know, uh, myself, I had a, was with someone who had a double life as well. And it's the lies that you start, you believe be, and they're so good at lying. You don't realize that they're lying yeah, because they believe their own lies. Yeah. They yeah. lie like they're telling the truth. And wow, let me tell you about this codependency. Yeah, right? <laughs> I Yeah, I went from a very, like I said, ultra confident, independent, paid yep. my own bills, had a job, had my stuff together, individual, and a short, a few months in, <laughs> a few months in, he says to me, I think you're codependent. And on one of the visits, he brought me a book on how to not be codependent. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. He brought me a book to read. Did you read it? I started to. Yeah. Yeah. I started to. And then he would probably counteract, counter contradict what was in the, yeah, yeah I'm sure he would have. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was crazy that you just said that. So yes, he definitely mm -hmm. did that. And, um, yeah, I don't know that independent person slowly disappears and you have no idea that's what's happening. No idea. No. So you know, I, I used to like many women, uh, I was of the I'm of the age where we used to watch Oprah. Uh-huh. And I would sit and watch the ladies who we're in a domestic violence situation or left a whatever it was in for those who are still staying. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. I was like, just leave. Like, I don't understand it. Now I get it. Right. And I would never ask someone male or female who's in a domestic violence dating abuse situation. Why didn't you leave? Or why don't you leave? It's not that simple. Right. You know, right. it's not that simple. Mm -hmm. the this again this is why we're we're friends the confidence that you talked about I remember in my own story like that was where I was like and then all of a sudden it was like wait why am I why am I not who I was before and then it's like oh it's because I'm listening to him and believing him even though that now just recognize that didn't change my mind about myself I still my, my self-worth started to deplete very quickly. Um, and then the, the, uh, uh, codependency mind games that I love you. I hate you that push, pull, come here, go away, especially in a long distance relationship. You know, they kind of leave you longing for more like, oh, they're going to love bomb you and do all the things, take you out to, you know, romance you all the ways, um, buy gifts and all the things. And then they take it away. So then it creates this sense of abandonment. That's like, oh, I got to do, I got to stay on the right path to make sure I never feel that again. And we're focusing on us and how we're feeling rather than what we're feeling is a response as a reaction to what we're being given right and, and I, I 
I definitely had that fear of abandonment as well. And I think that's where that whole thought process of this is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. I would rather have this than be alone and have to start over and all of that other stuff. At least he's predictable and, you know, predictable and that, oh my God, he's going to get mad at me and da, 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 da. Yeah. So yes, completely understand that. Mm. And I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I have been there, so I can't say to someone, why didn't you leave? And I thought the exact same thing when I would hear other people's stories, especially on Oprah, like, why didn't you just get up and walk away? And now it's like, well, first of all, you don't even know what there's something going on. You're so caught up in the moment of the lies and the deception. And even though you might be listening to that gut feeling, the heart overrides so much. The mind games that they play with you override so much that you push that gut feeling down and you stop listening to that and you listen more to the person that you're with. Yeah, that's so true that we doubt our thoughts, mm. right? They make us doubt our thoughts Yeah, and for our sure. feelings. Absolutely. And there were times I remember where the morning, it could be great. I love you, whatever. And then something would happen during the day and it would be like, well, I'm not calling you tonight because you did this. Yes. And talk about that sense of abandonment when you were like, yes. oh my gosh, the sleepless nights of, oh, he's not calling. What am I going to do? And to go back to what you were saying before as well, I hit it like yes. everyone. Yes, I would go to work and people had no idea the torment that I had inside. At yes. one point I would come home and I would binge drink mm. just to not have to feel whether it be the loneliness or whatever it was. Um, and then eventually I got that under control. But I found different ways as well to try to cope with my own inner emotions because yeah. it is a roller coaster. And then, like you said, when you throw that... Um, long distance in there mm -hmm. or whatever you have another trust issue going on but instead of you not trusting them they don't trust you like right you know what I'm saying yeah mm -hmm. I just want the audience to know that if you are experiencing this now or you have experienced in the past know that you're not alone. You're not stupid. You're not weak. You're not any of those negative things that you're saying to yourself, like, how, why didn't I see it? Um, my mom even said to me, you know, why, how did you, how could you be so stupid to be in a relationship like that? And it was like, well, that comment right there, one, it was familiar because that's how you treated me. But two, just so you know, this isn't your fault. And when you told him, when he called you at the last talking about all the, the charges that were being pressed and all the things that her family was after him and you said, not my problem. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. That is the answer is that boundaries to understand that what the other person is experiencing is not for you to take on. Absolutely. And I, and I recommend the book, uh, Women Who Love Too Much, which should actually be titled People Who Love Too Hard, 
because it, it goes for men too. And I've met and coached many men who have been in similar situations with women and they become like that. I mean, they had a movie about a fatal attraction many years ago and they go, oh, women can do that. Oh yes, they can. And so I, I know uh, Jen is willing to guide you in any way, shape or form. If you need to reach out to her, reach out to me. Uh, we have resources that we can get you in touch with if you are experiencing this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have several episodes on my podcast um, with behaviors that are associated with dating abuse and domestic violence. Because keep in mind, the dating abuse is actually starting in a younger age. Right. And the um, we have a certified domestic violence shelter here. They're going into schools mm. and having age-appropriate conversations about behaviors. Yeah. And I, I made a post the other day about when a boy pulls a girl's hair at school, don't yeah. tell them that that's a sign of love. Right, right. Because you're teaching them that that abusive, that hurt yes. is love when it's not love. Right. Mm -hmm. We have right. to teach our children, boys and girls, how to show our affection appropriately. But also when we're frustrated, because sometimes we pull hair, right? With our uh -huh. siblings. I did. <laughs> yeah. When we're angry because they took our toy or whatever, we need to recognize as parents and adults that that's not okay behavior. And it's our job to teach them how to appropriately deal with their emotions yes. in that moment. Something that you don't think about being a parent, they don't teach you that because, I mean, I don't know, I was never taught that as a child, right? right? It was threatened. No. If you don't behave, you're, your dad's going <laughs> to right. be home and you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> right. But just little tips that uh, I can share with you as well. But yes, lots of information on domestic violence on my website. Well, clearly we are both so passionate about this. We could talk for hours on this subject, um, but I want to uh, mind your time and just, you know, think about now. And now you've written your book, you have the podcast, you're helping so many other people. What do you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Oh, that's a good question. I want to be remembered for providing that place where others could come to feel safe, to talk, to share, to heal, and learn to just be. Mm. Learning to just be is a journey. <laughs> and we can we can get there together. You don't have to do it alone. Well, you are living that legacy right now, especially through your podcast, but just knowing you and, and being your friend. I know that I definitely enjoy just being with you. So thank you for being that. You're welcome. I love being with you too. And I get chills when I'm about to say that fabulous things are going to happen. Like they're just going <laughs> to continue to happen. I know this and I want to share that energy and that hope with your audience. Mm, thank you. Yes. Welcome. Uh, so where can people connect with you by your book? You know, maybe ask you a question. 
Absolutely. I would love that. My website is like a one-stop shop for everything. Yeah. <laughs> I need blue, um, which is www.ineedblue, blue is the color, .net. You will find every one of my episodes. You will find information on my book, um, pictures, all types of fun stuff. So I encourage you to just go there. But also my podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most listening platforms as well, if that's where you prefer to uh, listen. And what about Facebook, or Instagram, LinkedIn, any of those? Yep, I do. Facebook, hold on to your seat. I do Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Yeah, you can yeah. find me in a lot All of the places. things, yes. <laughs> yes. All the things. Well, Jen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to when I get to see you again in person. Yeah, me too. And I always like to leave the interview with this question. What phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? This is a good one. Be the light at the end of your tunnel. Mm. Think about that for a moment. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I will say, you're not just the light at the end of your tunnel, Jen. You are the light at the end for many people. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. If you enjoyed the show, because how could you not? Jen shared so many amazing things. And as she was talking, I had chills because you know you're like, follow that intuition. <laughs> Listen to what that your gut is telling you. So if you enjoyed the show, please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us your honest review. Or you can also leave a voicemail on the website at shaysparkspodcast.com and we will play on an upcoming episode. And until the next time, let's get fired up. Fired up.